This is Jeff and Julie moved to France during a global pandemic, chapter 87. On today's show, we will introduce you to our friend, Bill Glennie. Bill and his partner, Linda, have been cycling in Europe. We'll talk to Bill about some of the ins and outs of wheeling around here. And I was wrong about something. Well, there's a first time for everything. Okay, so the weirdest thing has happened to us on two of our day trips, and uh, we haven't had a chance to talk about it, but... In two separate locations, yeah. at around noon, yeah. all of a sudden, these sirens start blaring. We're, we're, these are like World War II air raid sirens. When we first heard these... They scared the bejeez out of us. Like we didn't know if we had to run for cover. Yeah, you know, like Europe is is uh, is is going through a tough time right now. No, exactly, so. exactly. Like you got all this stuff going on in Ukraine, and uh, we're driving through this quiet little village. Da da da. Got the roof down. Beautiful day. Brrr, away it goes. And uh, yeah, exactly. Like I was with you. Do we do, do we get under a car here? Or <laughs> but nobody seemed to flinch. Like no, it didn't matter. Like around. they're so accustomed to it. So the second time we heard it, we were actually having lunch, and we asked our server, "Do you know why that siren just blared?" And she says, "No." Yeah. <laughs> and then she, she she almost said what siren, you know. <laughs> <Yeah. because> it, <laughs> and, and she went in and asked uh her her associate uh if if he knew and she came back she goes it's because it's the first Wednesday of the month. And the other one was on she was originally from uh Bourgogne, from uh, Burgundy. Oh yes. And and she said, "Oh yeah, back when I was in Burgundy, uh it was every Sunday." The first something of every month? Yeah means that you're going to hear that siren. Now, we don't hear it here. Our, our neighboring villages don't run off an air raid siren no. to, to indicate it's the first Sunday of the month. It's just... And I, I guess it's their way of testing the emergency system. Is that what you think? Well, why... Do you really need to be notified that it's the first Tuesday of October? Who who needs it through the through the, uh, an air raid siren? Well, you know, hearing it twelve times a year doesn't really make me feel any better. No, I know it's it's the whole thing is uh, it's just again though here we are Jeff and Julie moving to France giving you the goods on the funny little country because it is <laughs> full of weird stuff like that. Here's another interesting thing. When we were off in um, Andorra, Andorra, we, uh, I, I go in to get something that at the pharmacy that you need you, you couldn't just pick off the shelf. You have to go to the pharmacist. Like most things you have to go in Europe. Headache pills. Yeah, like, you, you know. It, it, it's not over the counter. It's not in the Loblaws or the Shoppers Drug Mart. Right. You need to go ask the pharmacist for uh, headache medicine, cold medicine, mm-hmm. anything that is medicine per se. So we needed to pick up some tablets for you. And we go into this gorgeous pharmacy, like impeccably, uh, you know, it's clean and Everything, all the counters and and the shelves and everything is arranged meticulously. What shelves there were, right? Yes, on what that was on the first floor. Yeah. So we go upstairs to the pharmacy, and there's a counter and three pharmacists that are there, and the lovely gentleman uh, took our order, and all of a sudden, correct me if I'm wrong, he pressed on a button. He pressed on a button, and all of a sudden, we see my little box of tablets coming down this conveyor belt, and it was like. (laughs) What what the, what is just going on here? It's fantastic. And it drops into a basket, which has a bag on it, and there you go. Yeah. I mean, 
it was so we were so stunned by it and, and you know he he saw that, that we were... we'd never seen this before <laughs> so he, he sends another one down the conveyor belt so that i could take a picture <laughs> and i'll i'll try and dig it up and stick it on the facebook page but yeah. it, but it's it's really cool because they have a locked room of glass and obviously they they just keep uh uh, stocking it with uh, the common medicines that people need, and then they just go to the cash register, input the information, and boom! Yeah, it was easy and quick. Yeah, really, really cool. So uh, that's the first time I've seen that. I've never seen that before. I haven't seen it in France, so this is Andorra. This, this is Andorra. Andorra's pretty hip. I got to tell you, that's the other thing I'm, I meant to, on last week's podcast, I, I'm, I meant to note that it, it is really technologically, it's a, it's a very cool place. Yeah, well, I, th- I think it's a wealthier pocket. Maybe. Um, yeah. And, you know, so there's more business and, mm-hmm. and, so, and more competition. More commerce, yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was it was really fun. But that, that was a cool experience. Really was. Uh, talking uh, last week about more Americans in particular moving to France. And uh, I, I, I've gone and sort of researched this on a, on a couple of different levels because it's a little bit grainy in terms of the actual numbers depending on First of all, who you're talking to, and second of all, what those numbers actually mean. Yeah, well, statistics can be interpreted many different ways. Mm-hmm. So so what you're saying is that there's an, an uptick in the number of North Americans moving to Europe. But I'm specifically talking about Americans today. And I, I see. There's a, a paper called the, or a magazine called The Economist, I'm sure you've heard. And uh, to quote them, more Americans are moving to Europe lately and many are fleers rather than seekers. So the statistics are a little messy, they even admit. But in some countries, the trend is very clear. In 2013 to 2022, the number of Americans... In the Netherlands, increased about 15,000 to 24,000. Portugal's numbers almost tripled. And we we discussed the reason for that. That's because of the golden visa. Yeah, the golden visa. Very inexpensive to relocate into because they're looking for you. Yeah. Yeah. Not like France where they they don't want you. They don't want you. But in Portugal, if you invest, you receive incredible benefits. Absolutely. Uh, Spain, it rose uh, to nearly 34,000. These are Americans again. And. in this article, it says places like France, Germany, and the Nordic countries, the numbers grew moderately. But then you go to uh, The Connection, which is a, a local paper here that translates from French into English. And their headline was, the number of Americans moving to France has tripled over the past three years. Now, th- that can be a little misleading because three years ago, what was happening? Oh, yeah, a pandemic. COVID, yeah. So, uh, but they... but. But what they're saying is they are corroborating what the economist said because the reasons for the Americans who are moving here now, and and we actually encountered this with a couple that we met uh, a few months ago, uh, but they say the Trump election, gun safety, and health care are cited by Americans choosing France over the United States. And, And again, so that goes to the other point about uh, it being f- fleers rather than seekers. Right. But, you know, uh, I think uh, of those that are coming t- to live here, a- again, it's interpreting the stats, but um, 
my understanding is that the large majority are students. Okay, uh, but then if you go to schengenvisainfo.com, which sure, well, no, no, but yeah, I'm just yeah. saying Schengen. Yeah, yeah. They're they're not going to be uh, tossing out a bunch of uh, misinformation, okay? Because the Schengen represents uh, a, quite a few countries in uh, Europe, but uh, they say that uh, the recent data shows that more than 75,000 Americans were granted residency permits by European Union, Schengen-area countries, permitting them to move to the bloc. So are you saying that students are included in yes. that? Really? Yes. Okay. Yeah. If you're coming to study here, you everybody needs a visa, whether it's a uh, <clears throat> to study, uh-huh. whether it's to work, uh-huh. or whether it's to retire. Right. Everybody needs uh, their residency card and their visas. Right. So, you know, I, I think... In, in order, it's students and then people who come to work. They come here for their job. And then, lastly, it's people who come to retire. Uh, out of all those countries in Schengen, data showed that France, Spain, and Germany granted the highest number of residency permits to Americans in 2022, so only last year. Right. Meaning that a large number of Americans moved to these three countries last year, and then, you know, they, they have all the list of all the countries that right. Americans moved to. Right. But I just find it interesting that it's on, in in two different publications they note that it's not really people looking to move to France or Germany it's people looking to get the hell out of the United States right yeah. right but i think um you know if we were to look at the stats of certainly the french mm-hmm. m- many of them it's a bigger flow moving towards canada than canada to france oh for sure um, because the, there's more opportunity in Canada. Uh, lots of young people go study in Canada. Well, how many times have we been out and people say, why are you moving here? Everybody yeah. here is looking to move to, to where you come from. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, can, hey, listen. It's true. It's, it's true. It's, you know, Canada is a very exciting country. Canada, you know, we, we don't have any, uh, like we didn't, we're, we're not fleers. I mean, yeah, does the 401 drive me crazy? Yes. Uh, bugs and, and weather? Yeah, sure. Those are some reasons to leave Canada. But it wasn't safety. No. It wasn't, no, you know, no, personal no safety. No, and, no. And, and it was more about moving here because we wanted to spend our retirement tooling around Europe. So uh, there's a big difference there. Mm. And uh, we can under- certainly understand why people would want to move back to our home. It's, it's a gorgeous country. Uh, so there, there you go. Just, just kind of an interesting take on the Americans that are moving here and the reason why. And I think it is quite dif- different from Canada. So recently, uh, our friend uh, Olivia Seglin gave us a beautiful basket full of nuts that they collected from their tree. Mm-hmm. And um, it came time to return the basket, right. which you are supposed to do. And I've always been told that you don't return a, a gift basket empty. See, you know, that's funny. When you mentioned that, I had n- <laughs> never in my life heard that. Mm. In my 160 years on this planet, <laughs> I had never heard never return an empty container. Yeah. So if so, if someone brings you, a, I don't know, something that they baked and it's in a Tupperware container, yeah. then, you know, you must return the container clean and at least have a note in it thanking them for thinking of you. That's nice. But if not, you can, you know, add something to the basket, you know, what, whether it's some candy, chocolate, cookies, whatever it is, so that you're kind of saying... Thank you for, for you know, uh, taking the time to give us this gift. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I was looking if that was something that is, pop, you know, common in, in Europe, because I think this is ma- mainly North American, this 
etiquette? Well, when we when we mentioned it, uh, Olivia said, "Oh, we, you know, you you, you never return an, an empty basket." And then they got into this thing about uh, oh, yeah. what was the the the, the, Euro- uh, the, the knife? knife? If you give somebody a knife, they've got to give you a euro. I, that's the weirdest thing I've ever <laughs> yeah. heard. But, but yeah, we always thought if you give someone a knife, you have to include a coin. But no, it was the other way around. They said, right. Yeah, and they said at their wedding they received a lot of knives, so they were forking out the euros. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, when I was doing a little bit of Googling on the Google machine, yes. I, I couldn't really find you know, what, what to do in France when you receive something, a container. Okay. Uh, you want to return the container. But I did find something interesting about doggy bags. Because all of a sudden my search was showing when you return food. Oh, God, I thought you were talking about the other kind of doggy bag. No, No, but doggy bags aren't a thing in Europe. You can package stuff up. Well, at a uh, restaurant up up until 2016, um, you they didn't have containers to do that. Mm. It was legislated at that time that you know restaurants, bigger restaurants, people who accommodate 150 clients, you know, a day, whatever, should have on hand a yeah. container. Otherwise, it's a massive waste of food. Yes, but the problem is that people don't want to do it because they see it as being rude to the chef. Because food is so important. Oh they really are wound up about their their version of what rude is. I mean, the, their version of what rude is here in France is, is like, you know, like when I honked at that woman, like beep, beep, and she got out of her car and thought that I was being aggressive when I was just, you know, don't back up into me, right? All these kind of things, It's very, they're very sensitive. Well, yeah, they keep, they're, they're reserved, the word is reserved. And sensitive. Yeah. And they don't want to insult, mm-hmm. you know. So so even the term doggy bag, they've decided to change it. Okay. It's not a doggy bag. Okay. <laughs> uh, they call it reste à moi. So it's a play on words. Okay. Reste à moi. So the, re- the rest, to me. Oh, I see. But it's also stay with me. Yes. So It, it stays with me. Yeah. Right. Okay. Or a gourmet uh, bag. Oh, okay. Right. Anyway, the whole exchange of gifts brings me to the French phrase of the day. Well, that's a nice topic. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I shall read. Thank you once again for providing me with mm-hmm. said phrase. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Entre mari et femme, moins un cadeau est utile, plus il est agréable. Uh, between a man and a woman? Yeah. Uh, husband and wife? Yeah. Less, uh, is that right? Less, yeah. less uh, uh, a gift? Yes. Uh, utile, I'm sorry. Useful? Oh. Less a gift, oh, oh. Uh, being useful. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, okay, this is funny. All right, so uh, between a man and a woman, it's better uh, not to give a gift that's useful. It's better to give a gift that's agreeable. So uh, that would explain uh, your disdain over about 9,000 gifts that I've given you, including a bike. Uh, a, a cell phone. A cell phone that, where you had to, had to pay the monthly bill. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. so really, it's between man and wife. <laughs> the less a gift is useful, the more it is enjoyable. I, 
Okay, so I was close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So now you've you've used the French phrase of the day uh, for dig digs on on me <laughs> on past gifts on past gifts. If you want I to mean, take it personally, go ahead. That bike I bought you had streamers and everything. <laughs> hey, it's okay. How about this one? This is the best ever. You know what my dad got my mom once? One of those little hockey games. <laughs> You know where you got the little players on there? Really? Yeah. And aren't you the one who gave your mom pots? Okay, but those were good quality pots. Doesn't matter. They were useful, so not enjoyable. Okay. <laughs> I guess I got to do some work on yep. my gift giving. Sparklers are good. Oh, Julie, come on. <laughs> I, I, I'm giving you a ring for every finger. You got 7,000 things for around your neck, your, bra- your bracelets. Like, uh, there's nothing left on your body that hasn't sparkled. <laughs> Thanks to your lovely husband. Uh, Well, that was a very funny (laughs) French phrase of the day. Thank Mm -hmm. you very much, Julie. You're welcome. Last week on the show, we uh, promised to do a little digging about uh, BC11 because we're podcasters. And I heard and read that podcasters were under threat because of uh, the government's intention to start regulating podcasts. So what I did is I, you know, because there are so many articles out there on the right and then on the left and then and and the middle ground is actually uh, the website uh, from the Canadian Radio, Television and Telecommunications Commission. The CRTC. The CRTC. So let's just go right to the government website. I'm going to take this as the Bible. And and here here's the reason I'm going with this. Um because if the government does end up straying from their intentions, mm-hmm. then we've got this that uh, right. they have to own up to, as opposed to uh, a bunch of opinion makers. That, that's what news has turned into. That's why I'm I'm, go- I'm triple checking all this stuff now, uh, because uh, just a, a quick uh, garden search of uh, the internet doesn't really give you necessarily. The, the goods. The facts, yeah. So I'm just going to read from this because it's really interesting because what they've done, and, 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 and probably due to the fact that there's so much misinformation out there, the CRTC has published myths and facts about Bill C-11, the Online Streaming Act, and it's now also called the Modernized Broadcasting Act. And so uh, if you're a fellow uh, podcaster, this is good information because I don't think they intend on touching us. Here's from the... Uh, Uh, website. A lot of information and opinions have been published about Bill C-11, the Online Streaming Act. Some people have raised concerns, and we'd like to address what we are hearing. The changes resulting from this bill are now captured under the Modernized Broadcasting Act. In a nutshell, subject to the Broadcasting Act, broadcasters, such as television service providers, program service providers such as television channels and radio stations, online streaming services not subject to the Broadcasting Act, users of social media. Myth, the CRTC will regulate content and digital creators. Fact, we will only regulate broadcasters, including providers of both traditional broadcasting services and online streaming services. So there it kind of is in a, in a quick nutshell. But- can you explain to me exactly what they claim they're regulating? Okay. Well, what they say, the goal of the Modernized Broadcasting Act is to ensure that content made by Canadians and Indigenous creators is supported and promoted on traditional broadcasting services and online streaming services. That is the 
uh, ostensibly the the goal of the act. So uh, myths of the act are, again, that they will regulate content and digital creators. Content and digital creators will not be regulated just as creators, artists, and producers are not regulated today. A person who creates audio or video content or creates a podcast is not a broadcaster under the Modernized Broadcast Act. Okay. So again, they're, they're, they're going after the larger platforms here, okay. uh, according to uh, the government anyway. Time now for another Paris 2024 Olympic update. So a couple of things, you know, the Olympics are coming up 2024. Paris is gearing up for the influx of, of tourists. Um, and recently, uh, it's been claimed that the tax, the tourist tax, so the stay tax, when you're staying at a hotel or at a, um, uh, an Airbnb, will triple. Oh. <laughs> yes. And not not every department needs to triple their, their hotel tax, their stay tax. Um, but it's it seems as though um, Paris is looking at doing that to gain extra income for their in, their infrastructure. It's kind of a gouge, don't you think? I mean, I, I, I get it because they're spending a lot of money on the Olympics. And maybe this is the case with every host city over time. But, geez, it seems like a real gouge. Yeah, like if you're staying at a five-star hotel, it's currently like five euros in, in a hotel tax. It would go up to 15 but, but you know, per they, person, they better get their act together because no one wants to pay triple the tourist tax if they're going to be shuffled into a hotel full of bed bugs. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. They have a big problem with that right now. Uh, but yeah. so does so do lots of major cities. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but um, they're also right now trying to um, move some of the homeless people, and you know there are lots of homeless people. In big cities right now, it's mm. not just in Paris. Oh God, look at San Francisco! Yeah. What a mess! Yeah, so they're trying to accommodate them, move them out into another facility um, for a three-week period of time, where they get lodged, they get food, they get medical attention if they need it, and and they try to find them uh, uh, some permanent some, re- some, relocation, right? Some yeah. some work um, so that they can you know get themselves on their feet. Turns out, though, that a lot of the homeless in Paris have jobs. But they can't afford... They can't afford to rent an apartment. So, oh, wow. Yeah, it's, uh, it's expensive to live in Paris. Well, it's expensive everywhere, you know? True, very true. Now, you know, the, the people who are asked to move don't have to. It's, it's not enforced. It's just an option for them. But many of them need to stay in Paris because that's where they work. Ooh, that's a big dilemma. Yeah, yeah. So so that's the Olympic update for now. We'll have many, many more before uh, 2024 uh, as we uh, continue to get closer to the next Olympics in Paris. But we have company. Bill and Linda are Canadian friends. Um, a while back, we used to live in, in a, a town called Oakville. Yes. Uh, and that's where um, they, they live and that's where we met. Yeah. And uh, it's it's been Really great to to reconnect. Yeah, no, it's been fun, and uh, they they just uh, wrapped up a cycling tour of Portugal, and then they're popping over to see us for a few days, and then heading up to Paris. So it's a really great trip for them. Yeah, yep. It's a it's it's a worthwhile one. I think they're they're going to be here a total of about three weeks. So I want to ride my bicycle. I want to ride my bike. 
So Bill Glennie is joining us this morning. Bill, uh, how was your uh, how was your first night here? Did you have a good sleep? Oh, slept wonderfully. <laughs> this is the most peaceful place in existence, I think. Oh well, thank you. Well, you're you're probably still exhausted from this uh, all the biking that you guys have done the previous week. Yeah, how many kilometers did you clock over that that biking trip? Uh, maybe about four hundred over five days or wow. so. Maybe a little, maybe a little under that, but that'd be a good estimation or ballpark. And were you riding all every day that you were there? Yes, for us, yes. And you were in Portugal. Correct. We started uh, just south of Lisbon, and we went to um, Lagos. So is that the Algarves? Yes. Well, it's down the, I guess you'd call it the west coast into the Algarves. The Algarves is the lower end, um, the southern end of Portugal. So, mm-hmm. And how would you compare cycling in Europe to North America? Oh... The European drivers are so respectful. Really? Oh, yeah. They're courteous. They give you lots of um, well, birth. We, we, have, we have rules about that. So it's two meters. And if you get caught uh, any closer uh, than two meters to a cyclist, you can get into some big trouble. It's so, two meters here. Yeah, that's what it is here in France. That's the uh, – and, and which is quite a bit. And, I mean, it's not always possible – but that's what they like you to to try and observe. So that, that I'm glad to hear that. Well, a few years ago, we instituted in Canada. That is, we instituted the one meter law, hmm. which is you know three feet. That's not a lot. Uh-uh. And if you're cruising by a bicyclist at 60, 70, 80 kilometers an hour, it can be a little disconcerting. Yeah, mm-hmm. no kidding. Sometimes. And 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 on that note. Um, I think uh, a lot of our listeners would like to know how you feel about the safety of, you know, road biking, because I, I, I look at it and I, I do see it being possibly very dangerous. Yeah, unfortunately, it can be very dangerous. So you try to minimize your um, your safety impacts, like what, what can cause you harm. And I think probably the best thing to do is have lights on front and back. So you have a rear light, a red flashing light. And I always have, and Linda always, Linda is my wife, by the way. Um, So we always have um, front strobes on. Okay. Like a front uh, white light, just so, you know, front and back people can see you. Right. As well as uh, bright clothing works too. Well, I was reading that in France, the incidence of of uh, deaths, fatalities on on for cyclists is on is on the increase, mm. uh, and mainly in rural France, and mainly men, and mainly people over fifty five. Mm. And so they're they're saying that it's because drivers are becoming a little bit more aggressive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when, when we're driving on these small, narrow roads and there's a cyclist, it's a challenge. Mm-hmm. Well, especially if there's oncoming traffic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just have to really have your wits about you as a driver here. But, you know, to your point earlier, Bill, people in Europe, and I've made this point on the podcast many times before, the driving is better here. It's just better all around, regardless of bikers. Yeah, I from what I ex- have experienced in my several uh, trips to 
Europe, as well as the most recent one. Yeah, the 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 European drivers seem to be a little bit more relaxed. It's not the hustle and bustle of uh, commuter traffic that we get in North America, specifically in the GTA, the Greater Toronto Area that we're from. Mm. Um, it's just, yeah, it's 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 a lot more relaxed and better quality roads here, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> Uh, like as we were driving from the Toulouse airport, Jeff, I couldn't believe like you, it, it's just r- ribbons of asphalt. Like, <laughs> well, there's no salt on the roads. There's no snow. So. No freezing. Yeah. Yeah. There's no freeze thaw. Mm-hmm. Freeze thaw that that mm-hmm. just destroys roads in in, in no time at all. Mm-hmm. Um, a quick question for you: How do you organize one of these type of trips, or are there various different levels of uh, a trip like this? Well, what Linda and I usually do are the the package tours. So basically, uh, you you hire on with a, a company that organizes uh, the event for you, and it's pretty much hands off. It's um, it's either that or you self organize, and you know there's there's pros and cons to both. I guess um, we tend to be we want to be pampered because mm-hmm. they're special vacations for us. Yeah. So um, we like uh, the guided tours because you've got um, people that are booking your lodgings, your meals. They're there for you in a, uh, a backup vehicle. So with our most recent trip with uh, uh, Bike Portugal, we had two uh, guides in two separate vehicles for 10 people. Wow. And, and you guys were all tracked as well. You had GPS on you yes. so that they could keep track of the group. 100%. So if you stopped at the side of the road and you were there for five or 10 minutes, uh, they they would or could come by and check you, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, to make sure you're all right, make sure you didn't have a flat or some kind of mechanical. Uh, most of the times, though, they would realize that, you know, we're just stopping at a great uh, photo spot, you mm-hmm. know, so they'd just, you know, leave us alone. But there were a few times, you know, where we had um, a, a cycle computer that gives you your route and it lays out um, a little bit of a, a, a map on the on the computer face and it gives you a purple line to follow the route. And, you know, even though we had that that um, that cycle computer to tell us where to go, we kind of got lost a few times. We went off on a wrong road and sure enough, they had come back and get the little ducks back where they should be going, you know? So you had peace of mind. You knew that you were you were safe. You weren't going to get lost. You were well-fed. You were well-lodged. Uh, and you just had the pure enjoyment of cycling. Correct. Now, I think, Julie, you have found uh, their next trip. Well, there are a few wonderful um, biking, like 70-kilometer, 80-kilometer bike um, trails uh, right around here. In, in Le Dordogne, in Lot-et-Garonne. There's one that goes along the Lot River. The one from that starts, you were... In Cirque La Popie. Oh, yeah. This is an amazing, amazing town. And it's something, it, we're, it's just a little far for us to go visit while you're here, but it's something that you have to check out. So again, you'll have to return. Uh, we have the accommodation right here. You can stay here and you can go on your on your bike routes every day. Oh, I would very much like that. <laughs> because on the way back from the airport, correct me if I'm wrong, you were salivating at these oh, roads. Yeah. Literally drooling. <laughs> Looking, I was just like, oh my God, I could I could cycle here. Drop me off, give me a bike, and tell me where to go. 
and I'll meet you there in five or six hours. <laughs> uh, last question for you. How much stuff do you have to bring of your own? Like, is it typical to bring your bike? Because I know your bike is is worth $15 million. So, <laughs> uh, or, or do they supply pretty good bikes on these tours? Well, there's usually two options. Um, with most packages or, you know, in most locations that you go to, you can um, bring your own bike and there's pros to that. Um, and cons to that, mm -hmm. or you can uh, rent a bike uh, through your guide provider or other bike stores in the area. And there are pros and cons to that too. Uh, we've done both, or I've done both. And um, it depends really on where you're going, I find. If um, it, I find it's easier to transport and bring your own bike if you're sticking to one location. But if you're having to do, you know, you're traveling from one town to another and then to another and then to another, that creates a lot of logistic problems. Mm. But I have to say it's, um, it is nice to ride your own bike because your own bike, you're, you're set up for it, you're accustomed to it, your, your body's acclimatized to it. And when you, you rent a bike, you do a bit of a bike fit, which, you know, you're getting your seat height and all those kind of things, uh, you know, to where they should be ballpark anyways. Um, but it's just not the same, mm. no matter, it's just like getting into somebody else's car. You know how your own car behaves. Whereas, um, you know, like you get into, um, a rental or something like that. And it's, it, you know, it takes you a day or two to, you know, figure out how the, you know, the accelerator feels or, you know, the, 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 the steering wheel handles and all that kind of stuff. That's a good point. <clears throat> and Linda was saying last night that she brought her own seat. Yes. So there are, there are various options. Um, you can bring your own seats, you can bring your own pedals because pedals can be different from bike to bike. It huh. depends what kind of shoes you want to wear or have. Well, I'm so happy that you had a good trip uh, and that you're here now. And we look for, forward to having some some really good days ahead of us. Yeah, let, let's let's get to the, the winery. We have a degustation planned for today. <laughs> I think that's, uh, you know, of optimal importance. <laughs> oh, I like to cycle, but I also like to drink. So <laughs> sounds good to me. Thank you, Bill. Thanks so much, Bill, Thank for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. And this is my first uh, first, you pod. did really well. Yeah, you're you're a natural. Oh yeah. Okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ride my bicycle. I want to ride it where I like. Okay, before we go uh, today, <laughs> um, I I have to confess something that I was. R r wrong about. Well, wait a second. I've got to mark this down on the calendar. <laughs> uh, well, okay. And the reason I'm I'm on, uh, you know, there, there's an honest reason why I'm wrong about this. And actually, as a Canadian or North American, you are not going to believe what I'm about to tell you, uh, because you would have been wrong too. But on the express, so pretend you're driving on a three-lane expressway, three or more, but let's just say it's a three-lane expressway. So you got the fast lane, you got the middle lane, and you got the right lane. In France, see, my, my knowledge of drive, and I'm a very, very responsible and good driver. I'm the best driver I know. I'm just Except saying. on the property. Except on the, thank you, except on the property. I have a number of uh, incidents on the property. Once I get off the property, You're though, fine. I'm really good, <laughs> really good. Um, 
But it's been my uh, knowledge over the years that uh, you use the left lane for passing and then either of the center lane or right lane uh, when you're not passing. Mm-hmm. So our expressway here to Toulouse is a buck 30, 130 kilometers an hour. And when I'm not passing someone in that left lane, I go to the middle lane and I'm doing a buck 30. Twice now, I've been flashed from behind while I'm in the middle lane doing a buck 30. And the people eventually pass by and I go to town with my middle fingers and and yelling. This is when I lose it because, you know, you've got this uh, and I point to the left lane and then they pass me by and they're yelling and pointing. Oh, yeah. I thought we were going to get into some kind of a fight with one one car that passed us well yeah the whole car is pointing to the right so uh while i was out with lunch with uh, veronique the other day i asked her about this and i said look i'm doing the maximum speed limit in the middle lane and she and she goes no jeff you're wrong you have to go to the right i go no way she goes yes yes in france you if if you're not she said if you're not passing somebody in the right lane yeah. In the middle lane, yeah. you have to go all the way over to the right. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Ridiculous. <laughs> now that explains why a lot of a lot of people were mad. At me. Yeah. yeah. Yelling. And they're looking at my license plate thinking I'm from out of the country. No, I'm oh. from here. I drive normally. <laughs> you drive like idiots. I, like, honestly, that so, is... So everybody needs to be in the right lane. Yeah, exactly. And the two other lanes are for passing. Yeah. But, but think so, about... So why is there even... A third lane. Well, but but think about this for a second. What you're now doing is you're crowding everybody over to the right lane. Yeah. And now every time you go by an exit, everybody's got to go all the way over. And and it's it, to me, this is a nonsense law. And uh, I'm going. To, uh, I don't know if I've told you. I have a trip to visit Macron uh, next week, <laughs> and we're going to get this settled. Say hello to Brigitte for me. Yeah, I sure will. <laughs> Stupid. Anyway, I'm I'm now going all the way over to the right lane because that's what you're supposed to do in France and I'm not I'm not a trub- troublemaker as you know on next week's show we will have an amazing tip for keeping your pets safe we'll see you next Friday and chapter 88 of Jeff and Julie moves to France during a global pandemic